Welcome to the Comfortable in Chaos Podcast. Podcast. Strangle your demons and let's go. Y'all need Jesus! Chaos Podcast. I am your host, Eric Helberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're iron sharpening iron, and we know that is a necessity. We know we're like Einstein here. With no special talents, we're only passionately curious, passionately curious about all things pertaining to men. How in the hell did we get here? And where is it that we want to go? Yeah, you heard me on my last episode. I had to put some true grit out there, some good old John Wayne true grit, because how much can we focus on our feelings, man? We've divested ourselves of those, right? It's not a world we understand, but we can learn, and we can become more adept at it, just like anything else we do in life. So we mentioned awake, not woke, and that's a slogan from a small business here in the area in which I live. I really like it. It's kind of catchy. And you know that we like empirical data here on the Comfortable and Chaos podcast. And using that terminology, awake, if our president isn't awake, do I have to be awake to do a show for you men today? I mean, I've had two cups of coffee. That should give me enough mental prowess to simply move forward. And I'm feeling pretty good, so hey, let's get it. Let's do what we like to do on this show. Remember going back to my very first episode, I said sometimes in order to go forward, we have to go backwards. We have to understand. That helps to illuminate things for us, then we can see. And now we can walk most assuredly ahead. So let's tie our last episode in with this one, and then we will get on with the content of today. And check it out, man. I've already published it. You'll be able to hear it today. You know I like to give you all lots of content. It was entitled, Please Hug Hunter. Please Hug Hunter. Because we don't know if he received enough hugs. I know I didn't receive enough hugs. Hug, hugging was a chore. That, that could have been what occurred in Hunter's upbringing. And since we talked about that, and I kind of related to that episode just simply because of Commander. Now, I'm going to tell you, we have a German Shepherd, a male German Shepherd, just like Commander. I will tell you this, though. He is remarkably well-behaved, and he has a very even temperament. Unless one of us is threatened, per se, he is about as cool as the other side of the pillow. We know Commander isn't like that. So to help the taxpayer and all of his multiple handlers, which, of course, is the derivative of his poor behavior, according to Jill Biden, and... Also noting that Commander has some very sharp incisors and he has some very capable teeth. 
I say we get a Washington, D.C. dentist to simply take a template, you know, like when they're getting you ready for braces, they kind of form that goo around your mouth and they take a, um, an imprint, an imprint of the bite. I think we need to get Commander some modified dentures. So when he reaches out to grab on that Secret Service ass, really it's to no effect and then we won't have any more problems. Okay, so we've addressed Commander. And that got me thinking back also, you heard me do an episode on rock and roll and church and carnal Christians and people who pretend to be one thing but really are not. And I just can't get over, I was listening to the Sean Ryan show and he's had multiple guests here recently. One, of course, was Sarah, I believe, well, I can't, is it Sarah Evans? I may have the last name wrong but very proficient lady, and she expounded upon a lot of things, beginning with Benghazi because he had Mark Geist on there. And, of course, the Benghazi attack happened on an anniversary of 9-11. And what we really never heard was is that the preponderance of those fighters that attacked both the consulate in Libya as well as the CIA annex were actually Al-Qaeda fighters. They were Al-Qaeda fighters. We know it had nothing to do with the protest. And that being said, since we've mentioned carnal Christians, I'm going all the way back to the September 11th attacks. I'm talking the original 9-11 attacks in 2001. And we all know that we missed it, right? I mean, we've got... <laughs> we had 19 purported hijackers. Uh, where was the support staff and where was the money coming from and who all was involved in procuring supplies and, and keeping these young men viable. But out of those 19, 15 were actually from Saudi Arabia. And I know I have listeners in Saudi Arabia, but 15 were from Saudi Arabia. I believe one was from Egypt, one was from Lebanon, we still have Christians in Lebanon, although that minority populace is dwindling by the day, maybe around 15% now. At one time, it was 20-something, 30% Christian in Lebanon. And then the other two or three came from the UAE, the United Arab Emirates. That's really a misnomer because although it is headed by Arab factions, the great bulk of people that reside in the UAE, albeit it could be their workers, are not Arab at all. It's simply a financial center. God knows what really goes on there, but does it make it any different from some of our great financial centers? You could have called San Francisco one, but we know San Francisco went to the dog, so we can say Chicago and New York and we know that Federal Reserve Bank in New York and Wall Street has been giving us a lashing for a long, long time. But really, who you have in the UAE are Pakistanis. They're not Arab. You have Nepalese from Nepal, people from Bhutan, the Maldives, Sri Lanka. So the UAE is really not Arab. But what I was thinking was... Man, that doggone global war on terror. 
I think we could have gotten Raytheon out of that deal, Boeing, McDonnell, Douglas, Northrop Grumman, uh, Lockheed Martin. Of course, we would have needed a delivery system. So we could have saved the taxpayers an enormous amount of money. Of course, we would have kept a lot of money out of the pockets of the defense contractors. But I used to tell my brother-in-law, who was on the road with me at that time, couldn't we simply drop pork chili bombs? Pork chili bombs and all those little bottles of Jack and, and little Absolute like they carry on the planes. I mean, we could have dropped that stuff in all the areas of operation, right? And uh, save the taxpayers a boatload of money. And we know that there's a profound disdain for pork chili, a profound disdain for alcohol. But really, that's that's just when you're keeping up appearances. Because, I mean, when we had that piloting crew, those four hijackers taking, of course, you had the you had about the three to four kind of muscle hijackers, and then you'd have the actual pilot. Um, but they were cross-trained to a certain degree. The group that was in San Diego, and then the other group that was in Florida. And no one took notice of that, of course. I'm not sure how you couldn't notice that. But those dudes were eating meat lover's pizza, man, while they were in their training. And we know what's on a meat lover's pizza. You have pepperoni, pork derivative. You have Italian sausage. You know, I'm of Italian heritage, and that's made out of pork. And then drinking beer. I guess some of the guys that uh, follow the tenets of Islam also um, are no different than our carnal Christians just keeping up appearances, but when the rubber really meets the road, they're kind of doing what they will. And so we've pulled on those threads, pulled, 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 man is spinning around, a lot of centrifugal force, and the thread is pulled, and now the sweater has come off, kind of like the emperor without clothes. So we need to tie together um, the remnants of those President Clinton comments that I made the last imagery that I gave you in Hunter Needs a Hug or Please Hug Hunter in that episode was of, of course, Bill kicked back on that nice chair, the high heels, the blue dress. And it was interesting because my last duty station uh, in the Army was up close to the DMZ in Korea. And one of our adjacent platoon leaders' brother not the platoon leader, but his brother was in the state police and part of then Governor Clinton's protective detail. And so we'd go long into the night, uh, this, this lieutenant and I and, and uh, one of our NCOs, and this was a sergeant from Stephen, Stephenville, Texas, of course, rodeo capital of the world, don't know if it still is, but he kind of got me uh, excited about rodeo. And we would discuss all these matters. All these things were kind of foremost on my mind back then. But he would tell me <clears throat> about how his brother would have to escort the then governor to areas back and forth in North Little Rock, Arkansas. And if you know that area... 
you, you kind of know what goes on. It is a gritty place, man. I had to, it, it's really ironic. I ended up working there all the time because I would deliver equipment in North Little Rock. And I had a client whose principal office, their corporate headquarters, believe it or not, they were a South African company. But one of their main branches was in North Little Rock, and I take that back. Their their main office was in Memphis. So I'd be going back and forth there an awful lot. But he would tell me stories about that and what really happened in the, uh, I guess you would call it the gubernatorial auspices. And then I remember having to go get equipment from this gentleman. I, I basically broke into the property. I couldn't get into the front gate. It was locked, very secure. So I went around through the hills and the fields of Mena, Arkansas. But what I noticed was there were these two really huge chicken houses. And so I really used that because the vegetation was kind of high in these fields the noise of the chickens, however, it was nighttime, so it was a lot more subtle, but I still thought it provided me a good cover. But adjacent to that property was this landing strip. And as I worked my way around that property, although there was a lot of loom illumination that night, it was a full moon, and it actually looked kind of beautiful coming in over the hills. But as I snuck around through these fields and around this chicken house, well, I came upon this dude, and I was weaponless. He was weaponful. I thought I had gotten in there unbeknownst to everyone. Of course, I had my brother-in-law parked in my excursion down the road. But as I rounded that corner, how dude knew I was there? I don't know but he had the drop on me. And he was looking straight at me um, at that time with, honestly, it was a thermal scope, a thermal scope on a rifle. And once we kind of figured it out, I had nothing that I could do because I certainly couldn't go back unless I was going to jump back around the corner and take off running. And I was already discovered, and I don't think I really would have gotten out of there in that capacity, trying to evade in that way. So you've heard me say that sales has saved my life, so I had to make a friend. And make a friend I did. Lo and behold, we ended up talking um, just on the equipment side. He ended up making payments on that equipment. I didn't pick that equipment up. These were Kenworth W900s. But what we talked about was what went on on that landing strip adjacent to these chicken houses and his property um, throughout the 80s and the 90s. Now, that was really profound. So fast forward, you have President Bush. I'm talking the first President Bush. 
Decorated naval pilot, in fact, shot down his air crew killed as he parachuted into the Pacific. Rescued. He runs through the political ranks, lost a few times. Of course, was an oil man out of West Texas and then he did achieve elected office. Of course, he was a decorated war hero. He had the pedigree to do it, and a businessman. And then becomes the director of the Central Intelligence Agency. Although he served for a short time, when Carter became president, he, he tendered his resignation. Just different political factions, and, and um, I think they had an agreement in unison that it wouldn't work well for both of them. But a short time thereafter, Ronald Reagan becomes president, and President Bush, number one, ends up being the vice president for two terms. Then immediately thereafter, he secures the nomination, and he becomes our commander-in-chief. And rightly so, the guy had a bona fide badass resume. Who could be better prepared to be president? Then he goes off. He wins the first Gulf War with a lot of the people you've heard me mention in previous episodes. You've got Colin Powell. You've got Storm and Norman. You would think he would have been a shoe-in for his second term. But out of nowhere, the guy that was in the blue dress and high heels ends up winning the presidency. Was it because he played a saxophone real well with sunglasses on Arsenio Hall's show? How could that possibly be? How do people come out of nowhere and end up becoming president of the United States? That'll definitely leave you scratching your head. All in all, men, what it really means is that we are justifiably living in crazy times. And I think we need to be prepared. And there's a million shows on preparedness and, and fitness and all that good stuff. And we've already talked about being fit for something specific. And I would say for me, it's just an overall general fitness to keep your ability shored up to perform in the capacity of defending yourself and or defending your family. And I think one of the worst things for a man, what leaves him in doubt and questioning, of course, we've covered the ground of until a man becomes a man and he believes it congruently in his fiber, that's typically through experience and the admittance of other father figures or other professional figures that have bestowed that knowledge upon him, right? They have validated him. And he has that quiet confidence inside of him that he can perform. At the same time, when a man starts to feel like he's a little less dangerous, yeah, it can greatly undermine his psyche. And so we want to hold that off as long as possible. And we need to keep both our minds and bodies sharp, almost like an instrument, an instrument for use. 
in case we are ever called upon to be what you've heard me mention, shepherds and shields. We're shepherding those we love, and we are also shielding them in a fallen world. Therefore, in closing, I like to use the word debunk here. We've debunked common notions of manhood, at least culturally, what people attach to us as men. And I'm certainly guilty of that. We have debunked religious imposters. And it's not just um, something that is specific to Christianity. In my earlier commentary, we've already demonstrated that there are posers in all religions. And you can't see me, but you've heard me say I've raised my hand. I've been one of those too. And that's why the Lord, meaning Christ, He judges our heart. Really, that's a beating muscle, right? Our minds, our souls. No one really knows what's in the heart of a man. And you can pretend many, many things, but that's what it comes down to the essence of. And that is where your fullness is actually judged. So in order to get real, and I asked you guys to respond to the question of what makes you a good man, and thankfully some of you good folks have complied, and I am very appreciative of it. And I have been uh, reading that commentary with great interest. I'm going to leave you with a question, and it goes to self-preparation. Are you one of those men who likes to pull up somewhere? Let's say you pick the vehicle. Is it a Maserati? Is it a Rolls Royce? Is it a Land Rover? You pick. It doesn't matter. But when you step out of that, and of course, it's providing one image. And hell, you may have had it freshly detailed. It looks great. Super clean. Performance vehicle. But does your body, the vessel that you walk around in, does it follow suit? Do you pull up in something nice and sleek, but yet you are broken down? Would you prefer to have it that way? Or could you segue and get out of an old beat-up Ford F-150 but be a badass ready for action? Now, you don't have to look like a badass. But you can look like you are in control of your faculties and that no one needs to be effing with you. There's a way to do that. Which do you prefer? The image but ineffectual? Or would you forego the image and be ready to go? Let's pick up with that thought on the next time with the Comfortable and Chaos Podcast. I bid you boin voyage, my burgeoning flock. Until next time, like and subscribe to the Comfortable and Chaos Podcast.